from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Monday night, and I want to give a big welcome to KFNX, our new affiliate, the CBS affiliate, KFNX 1100 in Phoenix, Arizona. A big welcome to them. And I want to uh, jump into a couple of things. Uh, happy Monday. It's National Cheeseburger Day, by the way. So I uh, hope you had your cheeseburgers today. If not, have it tomorrow. Just make sure you have some red meat, right? Um, we have to discuss the news of the day, and we're going to do that. There's a, there's a bunch I want to talk to, for, talk to, talk about, et cetera. The national debt has topped $33 trillion for the first time ever. Uh, I want to jump into that a little bit more tomorrow with, uh, with one of my favorite economists. So I'm going to hold on that one for a second. Uh, California is suing major oil companies over climate change. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see. Hunter Biden has sent text messages that contradict the claim that he didn't share any money from his business with his father. Yep, we've seen that before. And here's a good one. There's a Reuters poll that uh, is regarding the Biden impeachment. 41%, which is the majority in the poll, support the impeachment of Joe Biden. 35% oppose it and 24% are not sure. And a little bit later, I want to talk to somebody about Joe Biden's email alias, uh, Robin Ware, and uh, some of the other ones he had. They were also attached to some phone numbers for top U.S. officials, and uh, they were provided to good old Hunter Biden. And what I want to talk about is uh, over the weekend, there was so much about these Trump interviews. Right? Trump did two interviews, one with Meet the Press, another one with Megyn Kelly. And uh, with Kristen Welker from NBC, from Meet the Press, there's all sorts of to do. And conservatives are up in in an uproar with President Trump because he said he thinks it's terrible to have an abortion ban at, uh, I think it was six weeks or nine weeks. And he said that they needed to come up with something that works uh, for everybody. And my philosophy on politicians has always been the same. And you don't have to share my philosophy, but... In government, one must govern. And there are issues that I may support somebody on and issues I may not support somebody on. And you got to weigh these things. You got to put them on a scale and see, does this person support limited government? Do they support this? Do they support that? Do they support the things that I agree with? Okay, then the, the scale is tipped in their favor. And if you go the other way, you go, well, you know, they support this and I don't support that. And if it goes the other way, then you don't support them. Uh, for me, I've always been pragmatic. When Donald Trump first ran, I remember everybody saying, oh, but he's been married several times. He's this and he's that. What kind of man is he? And my thought was, I'm electing a president, not a pastor, not a priest. So, you know, his his extracurricular activities, whatever it was. And again, the guy was a married man. Um, I I didn't see any issue with it. And the allegations, as as far as we know, uh, have been proven untrue, even by Stormy Daniels' own admission, where she said, I said what I said in order to get the what they call hush money so with all that being said 
I, I don't feel any type of way about Trump. I think I look at his record. I, I really don't care what he says. I look at his record. Find me a more pro-life president than Donald Trump. I'll wait. There hasn't been one. He's made the most effective moves, believe it or not, with the help of Mitch McConnell. Right? McConnell got the people that he needed through on the court. And they got through. I believe it wouldn't have happened without McConnell. I believe it wouldn't have happened without Trump. Now, when they say that, you know, McConnell should single-handedly take credit for that, no. Single-handedly, nothing. I think uh, Trump played a major role there, uh, especially with with um, the selection of these people that were on the uh, the short list that was provided. So if you want to call and argue with me about, oh, my gosh, why won't you call out Trump when he says things? Aren't you pro-life? Yes, I'm pro-life. And, yes, I think Trump is pro-life. He's probably more pro-life than, than many of the people that are running against him in the primary. And because he made a statement that I, I may or may not agree with, and um, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That doesn't make any sense to me. Trump is a fighter, and he's there to fight, and he's a smart guy, and he understands you got to negotiate. You know, I was married once for 10 years, and there's a lot of negotiating in a marriage, right? There's a lot of things where you go, ah, happy wife, happy life, right? And, and I think that's, that's the same in everything in life. You're not always going to get everything you want. And it's up to you whether you want to support it or not. But I, I saw so many people saying the same people that won't call out Trump for whatever. Listen, you want to call out Trump, go right ahead. That's, that's your prerogative. That's free speech in action. That's good. That's how you let a candidate know how you feel. But there, I feel like there's just a, a ton of talk here. For what? To, to take the, the one candidate that's really surpassing everybody else on the Republican side and say, oh, this guy's totally not any good now because of uh, one statement. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not sold. I'm not sold that he's going to be now some, some sort of radical uh, if, if he's in the White House when it comes to the pro-life issue. He literally put the people in that needed to be there to overturn Roe versus Wade. Good luck, right? Good luck saying he's, he's soft on the pro-life issue. Just my opinion. You don't have to agree. But he's a fighter. And, you know, when, when they ask him on Meet the Press, Kristen Welker, when she says, you know, what are you thinking about going to jail? What are your thoughts? He point blank told her, listen, I'm built differently. <laughs> and I love that. Listen to this clip. I want to know what's in your head. When you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? No, I don't really. I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently, I guess, because I have had people come up to me and say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? Uh, I don't even think about it. Uh, these are corrupt people that I'm dealing with. They're destroying our country. I don't even think about it. All I think about is making the country great, making America great. Look. These are political, these are banana republic indictments. These are third world indictments. The president of the United States sees how we're doing. We have a movement, the likes of which has never happened in this country before. And you see it with the polls. I mean, I'm up on these people by 60 points and 59 points. I don't mean at, I'm at 59. I'm leading them by 59. You almost say, like, why are they campaigning? Asa Hutchinson, he's at zero. Christie's at two. Other ones are at one. Uh, DeSanctimonious is at nine. I just see a poll come. I mean, I'm leading him by 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. 
they saw this happening and he went to the attorney general of the United States and he told them indict Trump. There's just no evidence of that, oh, Mr. What? President. Oh, what? Because you mean he's but let's, let's stay on track. Look at all the lies he's Mr. told. President- <laughs> Her efforts are commendable to try and keep Trump, uh, Trump on track. Uh, I think that was a, a really... Um, uh, a great statement. But I think that's the bottom line, right? Trump comes out swinging. He tells you how it is. And, and that's it. And you can take it or leave it. And that's ultimately the, the choice that everybody's going to make. And we're going to see how he fares. But this idea that we're going to throw out the baby with the bathwater and just turn our backs on Trump. If you want to do that, that's fine. Uh, I, I don't think it makes any political sense. Anyway, I want to get into that. I want to get into this lawsuit that is been filed against the director of the FBI by the former chief of staff at the Pentagon, Cash Patel. That's coming up next. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And while Hunter Biden's out there suing the IRS, saying they shouldn't have released my taxes. I remember when they did that to El Trumpito with a little help from Congress and some courts. And uh, he wasn't whining about it. He tried to find it, but he had to do what he had to do. So uh, tough noogies, Hunter. But I want to talk about a different lawsuit. I want to talk about a lawsuit that was filed by the former Pentagon chief of staff who is now suing the FBI director and a couple of other DOJ officials for allegedly targeting personal records. Yeah, isn't that something? Who would have thunk it? Anyway, I want to get to the bottom of this with our guest. Uh, He's been on before. He's an excellent, excellent uh, source of information, former National Security Advisor to the United States House of Representatives, uh, the Intel Committee, and uh, former Chief of Staff at the Department of Defense, And he's a former federal prosecutor as well. Plus, he's the author of the brand new book. Make sure you uh, pre-order your copy. Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth, and The Battle for Our Democracy. Cash Patel, welcome back, brother. Hey, brother. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Anytime, my man. So let's let's dig into this. Um, Who are you suing and why? (laughs) So if you remember this little thing called Russiagate, uh, when we exposed the FBI (laughs) corruption, a political party buying illegal evidence overseas and hijacking the FBI in line to a federal court, no big deal. Well, it turns out while I was running that investigation for Chairman Nunes, Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray not only made good on their threat to investigate us, but they surreptitiously did it. And I didn't find that out till about four or five months ago because Google has a five-year policy where they tell you they've been served a subpoena and your records were turned over. And um, I thought it was chilling when the Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, threatened to investigate us because we were uncovering their corruption. And we found out that they actually came after us for exposing them and to try to get dirt on then Chairman Nunes. And they investigated multiple senior staffers on Congress illegally for all of our records. And so I wasn't going to sit down and take that, you know, laying down. So I sued 
last week, Friday night, Chris Ray, uh, Rod Rosenstein, uh, Rob Herr, the current special counsel, and four other DOJ officials for unlawfully using the search and seizure process to get my financial records, my public records, my private records, my phone calls and bank records. I'm not taking this thing lying down, and this is not for me. It's to show America that if they're doing this to me while I'm a senior staffer, national security advisor for a congressional committee, what are they doing to everyday Americans? Yeah, and again, this is on the basis of the Fourth Amendment. And Was there anything else that you added to that? Uh, yeah, my lawyers have added some other stuff, and we, uh, we, we, we put out the lawsuit. We've got some more coming. But the point is, I'm putting Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray on notice, and Rob Hur, I'm coming for you because you unlawfully surveilled a congressional staffer who was doing his constitutional oversight role, exposing your corruption and lies to Russiagate. And I'll remind your audience, Rod Rosenstein was the one who signed the unlawful warrant that was later rescinded as a result of our investigation of the current sitting president, Donald Trump. We need to know the truth. We need to get the receipts out. It's not about money. I'm going to depose them, and I'm going to get all the records, and the world is going to see the level of corruption these deep state government gangsters use to get us. Yeah. Cash Patel, you know, it seems to me like you got off pretty, pretty good here because other people that were involved in things in Trump world, mm -hmm. uh, they ended up getting locked up. Right. You didn't get locked up. They didn't give you a midnight raid. Yeah. Well, thank God. you know, I didn't do anything illegal, but I did. I am on the receiving end of a subpoena from the special counsel, subpoena from Jan six committee. So we're at half a million dollars in legal fees. That's what they want to do. They want to sideline you. Even if you did nothing wrong, they want to make it public. So they show the world that if you dare to take on DOJ and FBI, they are going to use the police powers and weaponize them, especially if you dare to be an advocate for Donald Trump's agenda. You know, and this is, uh, I mean, a, a perfect segue to, to what you write about in your book, Government Gangsters, the Deep State, the Truth, yeah. and the Battle for Our Democracy. And I recommend everybody pick up a copy or two. But, Cash, what's the, um, I know when you're suing the government, there's limited type of relief that you can get, right? The damage here has already yeah. been done. Uh, I think uh, mm -hmm. you, you alluded to it that you're putting them on notice, which I think is great. It's good that you're suing them. It's good that you're getting some media around it, that the American people know that there's people that are fighting back. Thank God you're able to fight back. But there's also, I think, the the element of the legal process, right? You mentioned uh, deposing yeah. them. And, and I think that's a key part of, of these lawsuits is this sometimes is the only time that you can get them uh, under oath and to, to answer your questions. Well, that's the win. It's not about me. It's not about the money. It's about showing the American people the weaponization in the two-tier system of government. It's not just in the courts, but it's in the grand jury process and over at the FBI with Chris Ray's leadership. If you show the world how they abuse powers, and I'll remind your audience, Chris Ray violated the FISA court policies 278,000 times last year alone by wow. unlawfully searching the FISA databases against 278,000 Americans, not foreign terrorists, like I did when I was a national security prosecutor, Americans, and we are putting them on blast. We are putting them on notice that you cannot do this. We will not bend the knee. And I want America to have the receipts. We're getting the emails. We're getting the memorandums. They're going to have to justify their unlawful surveillance of me, and they'll make something up, but we're going to get all the receipts. The one thing I learned in Russiagate, these government gangsters document all their corruption because they think they'll never get caught. And we've caught them many, many times before, and now I'm going to put it on blast for the world to see because the whole process going forward is about obliterating the deep state. That's the thesis of my book, Government Gangsters, and I name every government gangster by name. And this is why the Biden administration fought me for 10 months to right, try to, to block the release the of my manuscript. And we won in federal court. We beat them. We took them to federal court and beat them. Now it's releasing in five days. Get your copies at governmentgangsters.com signed. 
and um, we want to give the world receipts. That's what it's about. It's not about me. You can put in John Smith as a name because if they did this to me, Rich, what do you think they did to everyday Americans who yeah. were going to church to worship, who dared to take on a school board to say, I don't want CRT in my offices, in my schools, who dared to say, you DOJ and FBI have a limit. They think they're limitless, and we're going to show them what the American Constitution is really about. Amen. Now, uh, you, you mentioned that you'd gotten this information from Google and their policy of five years. Uh, did you? How did you even find out? Was it something that you, you got wind of, and then you went to Google, or did you already have a subpoena into Google? No, how did that come about? You know, it's the one time that Google actually did their job. They have a five-year policy where they notify anyone who was a recipient of a grand jury subpoena. And as a former national security prosecutor, I know they didn't, you don't just go after one entity, Google. They got my phone, they got my text, they got my emails, they got my bank records. They went after everything. Google is the one that notified us of this, which is why we have to do it four years later, because we just found out. And now we've got to navigate the judicial system and the entourage of judges in D.C. Hopefully we'll draw a fair one, but I want to show the American people that it's worth fighting for, and that's what the Cash Foundation is all about. If this happened to you, we will pay to take your lawsuit to court because everyday Americans deserve to be represented, not to be bludgeoned by this weaponized justice system. So Deputy Attorney General, then Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, uh, mm-hmm. decided to spy on you because that was the easiest way to, to come at you, right? Because you were making yes, headway so, with Chairman yeah. Nunes. Remember, this was just before we put out the Nunes memo, which is now the seminal document on FBI DOJ corruption. Nothing in that memo is false. It's all true. But back then, you had the mainstream media covering for these guys like they're going to cover for them now and say Cash Patel was a threat to democracy or whatever. I'd love to see them write that out in federal court before a judge and explain that one. Um, because the only thing I've ever done in my 16-year career is put the truth out. That's what you do when you serve the American people. It's a privilege. It's not a right. And these guys have hijacked that privilege, Rosenstein, Bray, Garland, Barr, so many other people. And we're just showing the world how to fight back. But more importantly, we're doing it behind Donald Trump's leadership, because if he wasn't brave enough to bear these four baseless indictments, none of us would have the audacity to come forward. So we're riding in his wake and we're going to ride this thing out and make it very, very public. None of this is going to be behind closed doors. Folks, we're on with Cash Patel, the author of Government Gangsters. Get your copy now. It's releasing in a couple of days. Pre-order it now. We're coming right back. We're going to do a little discussion on the Bidens straight ahead. If you want to join us, feel free. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. Coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. We're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA, and check in with Todd. Todd, you're on with Cash Patel and Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, yes, gentlemen. Uh, Cash, I just wanted to uh, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I work with people from uh, Venezuela and uh, China, and, and they see what's going on, and it terrifies them. You're standing up to a uh, political mafia. Uh, the DOJ has become the KGB, and um, I just wanted to say you, you're fighting for us and, and legal immigrants. Uh, Roger Stone was convicted of lying about Russia collusion, which didn't even exist, and the government knew it. So God bless you for taking them on. Thank you so much, Todd. I appreciate it. Cash Patel, you've got fans all across America that are rooting for you, my man. No, it's very humbling to hear gentlemen like Todd and great Americans, and that's why we fight. You know, I was talking to Don Jr. earlier in the president the other day. If they're going to take the attacks for the American people, then the least we can do is fight when it's our place to fight. And we're not going to be silent. This two-tier system of justice with Hunter Biden, you're seeing it unravel before your very eyes. And there are no coincidences in government. The theme of my book, Government Gangsters, is a coordinated strike. <clears throat> they want Joe Biden to be retired, the Democrats, and they want us to do their dirty work. But we're going to get all the laundry out so the American people have the receipts so they can't rig another presidential election like the DOJ, FBI, and the intelligence community did um, in the last two cycles. Now, Cash Patel, Congressman Robert Garcia from California, uh, he says there's absolutely zero evidence linking Biden to any <laughs> wrongdoing. Now, he was on MSNBC yesterday. I want you to hear this quick clip. The truth is that there's absolutely uh, zero evidence linking the president to any sort of wrongdoing. We have seen now for months and months, uh, James Comer, who, of course, heads our oversight committee, uh, just come and try to come after the president, the president's family, with all of these essential bogus investigations. Uh, their star witness at one point, we remember, ended up being a arms dealer. And so we, we have zero linkage to the president. We understand that right now. Hunter Biden is going through the judicial system. We support that. Uh, but we're coming up with strategies to protect the actual president, who's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong, Cash Patel. What say you? Look, as a career public defender and federal prosecutor, the one thing I can tell you is what these guys want is the bank robbery with Joe Biden not wearing the mask and gun in hand and a clear face to Christian. That's not what happens <laughs> in crime. What criminals do, what the best criminals do is cover up their tracks. When you have $20 million funneling in from the Ukraine and CCP affiliates, when you have Joe Biden's salary go up tenfold in one year when he's out of government at the behest of getting millions in through Joe, uh, excuse me, Hunter Biden, that is what masking, that is what fraudsters do. They cover up their tracks. And when they say there's no evidence, remember, these are the same guys that said there's no evidence the FBI and DOJ lied to a federal court and unlawfully surveilled Donald Trump. That is a universal right. truth today. And these are the same government gangsters that are doing it to America, and we're not going to let them do it anymore. Now, what do you know about this linkage between uh, Robin Ware, right? Uh, one of Joe Biden's many uh, aliases, Robert Peters, uh, Peter Henderson, <laughs> and, and, these, and these phone numbers that were apparently associated with the aliases that he was passing on the cell phone numbers to uh, Hunter Biden. It reminds me of Hillary Clinton's homebrew on a, on a much more exponential scale. This guy, as the vice president, four aliases, 5,400 emails the National Archives won't release. The same National Archives that referred Donald Trump for prosecution to the DOJ sat on them for a decade and didn't refer Joe Biden. And you don't need 5,400 emails. I'm just looking at one, the one email that shows that Joe Biden had a call with the president of Ukraine, and on the call sheet was his son, Hunter Biden, a private citizen. 
what the heck was that guy doing on a call right. prep sheet with the state leader as a sitting vice president? Just change the names, Don Jr. and Donald Trump. This would be the criminal spree of the century, and yeah. they would be calling it. We have all the direct evidence in the world, circumstantial evidence and money never lies. And that's what we have caught the Bidens in. And the Biden regime is going down. They're going to force Joe Biden out of the seat by forcing him to pardon Hunter Biden. That's what they want us to do. And I think the impeachment targets need to be Ray and Garland, not Biden. All roads lead to Biden, but the American public deserve the evidence from FBI and DOJ that they're withholding from Congress. Do you think that Biden actually pardons Hunter or does he let him get convicted and then just commute his sentence? I think that's probably more realistic. They'll let this thing play out. But here's the funny thing, right? They want to try Donald Trump in four cases in six minutes. But watch how long it takes for this one gun prosecution of Hunter Biden. It's going to be four months before arraignment and discovery, another six months for litigation. I don't think he gets tried before the next election cycle. And people are going to see that and say, wait a second. If this guy was Eric Trump or Don Jr., they would have tried him over. And that's where our win is, the exposure of the two-tier system of justice. It's what I always harp on when I talk to the boss. This is our winning moment. It's our one time to capture the constitutional republic back. That's what I write about in Government Gangsters. I also took a nap in the Oval Office and some funny stories in there, too. But, you know, you got to have fun. Along <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, Cash Patel, what's your thought on how this impeachment inquiry plays out? I got to tell you, part of my and I put my political hat on and I could be totally wrong here. But I feel like McCarthy only made this move because mm-hmm. he had support from Democrats behind the scenes that are hoping that he'll do the dirty work. And uh, I I don't know if I'm right or wrong. No, I think you're right. I think they want us to do the dirty work. They want us to do the lift, and Republicans might be dumb enough to take the bait. And again, Congress needs to man up, not just for, and remember, we're not even at impeachment. We're at a quote-unquote inquiry. What have you been doing for the last nine months? And you have one document from the FBI after six violations of a congressional subpoena from Ray and Garland. And you don't have the other 5,400 pages. You don't have the DOJ documents. You don't have the manuals. You don't have the emails, the text messages. Remember what they did to uh, President Trump and his family and us when he was being investigated. They got everything overnight. And they leaked Mm -hmm. it to the mainstream media. It's no secret that when David Ignatius of the Washington Post comes out and says, oh, I think it's time for Joe Biden to go. Thanks for your service to this country. It's because the DOJ and FBI fed him the goods already, in my opinion, as to what is going to happen to the Biden crime family syndicate if that man stays um, in the race. And um, we'll see who bends the knee first, but Congress needs to step up. I got a lot of friends there still. I'm not knocking them, but they need to be focused. Don't do a hundred things, do three. Subpoena Garland, Ray, and Hunter Biden, and put them on under oath for the world to see their interrogation. And that will allow the American people to adjudicate this at the polls, not to have DOJ and the FBI pick the next president. Outstanding analysis. Cash Patel, let everybody know how they can get a copy of the book and support the uh, foundation. Thanks so much. The CashFoundation.com. We've got great merch. We're helping people, veterans, law enforcement, kids go to college. It's all a 501c3. Nobody makes any money. And uh, just go to GovernmentGangsters.com. I signed 4,500 books. Make me sign another 4,500. You can also pick it up at Amazon.com and Walmart. But get your copy. There's a reason they didn't want you to see this book for 10 months. There's a reason Donald Trump calls it the roadmap. There's a lot of great details in there. And we've got the receipts. We've got Bowser's letter. We've got Pelosi's declination of the National Guard. We've got the DOD timelines and everything they didn't want you to see in one place. Go grab a copy now, and I promise it's shipping in five days. GovernmentGangsters.com. Check it out at GovernmentGangsters.com. Cash Patel, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Keep fighting, sir. 
Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. You got it. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more coming up now. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so you've got Cash Patel suing the Department of Justice, Donald Trump saying he's built differently, and Hunter Biden saying he didn't do anything wrong, I didn't do anything wrong, and Joe says, it's working, Bidenomics and everything else he's doing. It's crazy out there. Folks, I want to get your opinions on this stuff. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you disagree, you can come to the front of the line. Let's go to Ron Burlington, New Jersey, W-O-N-D country. Go right ahead. Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Thank you very much. Um, let's go to Mark. And before I go to Mark, I just want to say the reason I was doing that was because that guy didn't want to talk about Trump or Biden or anybody else. He wanted to plug a website in a flyby free plug. It's like a prank call. I actually know that guy. <laughs> he used to call me when I was on the air in New York City locally, and uh, he would just call, and, and we finally tracked the call. And he was calling from a mental institution, from a payphone inside of a mental institution. So he's like an inmate, and um, inmate patient. And this is what he does in his free time. He calls talk radio and talks about these like conspiracy websites, which half the conspiracies you hear are probably true. But this guy was a little off the deep end. Anyway, Mark, Cleveland, Ohio, WNIR. Go right ahead. Uh, good evening, Rich and Cassis. Uh my uh, my my dad, who passed away in 2005, he was a World War II Marine and a wow. Korean Army vet. God bless him and thanks for his service. Discharged, yes, sir, from from uh, Ohio. Uh, the, he joined at 17, but he he did his he he served honorably, and I was very proud of my father and I loved him. Uh, and I'm I'm a Navy vet, but see money. Isn't always punishment uh, to sue to give more money for these gangsters. Gangsters need to be punished. Okay, mm-hmm. I won't. I won't uh, vote until I see if they are guilty. If Biden is guilty, and if Trump is guilty, I want to see him in prison. I want to see him punished with with uh, time. Jack, they would give any average criminal they catch. Time. I don't care if he's a president. You disgrace the the, the honor of being a president, and yeah. they need to be punished. Listen, Mark, I I agree with you in so much as saying that any politician who breaks the law should be held accountable, and and we we've seemed to have gone away from that, right? Because the politicians, aka lawmakers, they figure out they write the law, so they know exactly what to do to skirt the law, and they know how to get around it. And, of course, that's problematic. Now, in uh, the Trump case, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see an outcome there that's positive for him. It may take a little while, but I think he's going to be fine. Um, the charges are pretty outlandish, that he created a criminal, an organized criminal organization, right, a RICO situation where he, he's racketeering. 
Uh, I, I don't, I don't, on his worst day, he's not racketeering, right? I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that. If they wanted to say something else, if they wanted to say, hey, you're guilty of inciting an insurrection, uh, that might have been believable to some people, not me, but to some people. But that's not, and that's not one of the charges anywhere. Everything he's being charged with from uh, making a payment to his lawyer for, for um, legal fees as opposed to them saying it needed to be a campaign fee because he did it because he was running for president. Stupid, fake, phony, and fraud, in my opinion. Uh, the other charge, keeping documents that are his for, for, that would end up going to his presidential library. Uh, under the Presidential Records Act and saying that he violated the Hatch Act and every other act that's out there, uh, the Espionage Act, it's, I think it's going to be very difficult to prove. They're trying to prove his intent, that it was a conspiracy. That, again, is going to be just incredibly tough to prove. And the reason they bring the case is just to tarnish him and put a black eye on him. Now, you could make the same argument for Biden, say, well, the Republicans want to tarnish Biden and land a black eye on him. And, and I'm, I'm okay to have that argument. The, the issue here is that with Biden, there is an actual transfer of cash. Like if we were to say Biden is involved in a criminal enterprise where he's racketeering, uh, we could say, well, we found a trail of money that goes to one company and then transfers to another company and transfers to a third company and to a fourth and a fifth. And there's 20 of these shell companies. And you're talking tens of millions of dollars. And they're not coming from around the corner. They're, this is not asking the secretary of state in Georgia to find you more votes because you feel like the votes weren't counted correctly. This is a sitting vice president strong arming people on video saying you're going to get fired or you're not going to get a billion dollars in loan guarantees. It's actual quid pro quo. It's actual um, corruption. I mean, it's just there's no other way to look at it, in my opinion. But I agree with you. If somebody is in any office, whether you're mayor, dog catcher or president of the United States, You've taken an oath to the Constitution, and you should honor and uphold that oath to this great nation of that which you've served and your dad has served honorably. And it's that type of respect that we need when we serve in public office, right? That's why we call them public servants. Lamentably, none of these guys are looking like anybody's servant. They make it look like we're the servants, and, and they're the top of the food chain. And I think that's part of the problem. Mark, thank you for your call and for your service. God bless you, my friend. Let's continue. Let's go to Pete, Minneapolis, uh, KNSI. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. How are you tonight? Wonderful. Thank you. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Oh, good. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine who owns a small business, and he t he's been alerted from his bank because he was taking money. Actually, he'd take $6,000 here, $6,000 there, because a lot of times uh, auctions and stuff to buy stuff for his business mm -hmm. aren't, aren't when the banks are open. So sure. he thought, what the heck, you know? But his bank alerted him, but... To told him that, oh, he goes, did I do something wrong? And they go, no, no, you didn't do anything wrong. It was just alerted. I, I, I can't remember what he said it was like. Um, but he still, I mean, uh, there was a limit, I think $10,000 at one time. You know, if somebody's taking more than $10,000 out, th they would get alerted. 
Well, but here's the thing. A, a lot of banks, a lot of banks have different policies. And I can tell you, I, I, this has happened to me too. Uh, there are certain banks. I, I deal with a small, old, old, small bank that my dad banked with and I banked with them too. And while the charm of the small bank is great, there, there are some drawbacks. They're, they're afraid of bank runs, number one. So usually anything over $5,000, you, you'll still get to take it out. But there's a couple of hoops you got to jump through. Like they'll ask for the, the, the branch manager of the bank to sign off on your request to withdraw more than $5,000. Uh, another thing that they do, so if he's taken out six, that, you know, in my bank, that's how they would have handled it. Uh, the $10,000 stuff you're talking about, that's a federal regulation that, that says you can't travel with more than $10,000 in cash. Uh, I think you have to have a cashier's check. And again, I don't know if I even like that law, but that, that's, that's the regulation. And so I think banks are playing uh, both sides. They're highly regulated and they're under pressure by the government to, to report when these things happen. Just, I don't know, a year ago, we were talking about PayPal and, and all of the other electronic fund transfer companies were saying if you were going to spend more than $600, they were going to report it to the IRS. So the IRS has hired 80,000 new people, and they've decided they're coming after people, and they don't want you doing little cash deals anymore. They don't want the guy at the auction selling something to your friend for cash and not paying Uncle Sam, and they're trying to come after you. But Biden says, no, 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 I'm only coming after you if you make 400 k You're the rich. You're the top 1%. BS. That's fake. It's phony and it's fraud. Pete, thanks for the call. Coming right back, folks. Rich Valdez, don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. We've got the government gangsters out there. They're running amok. They're doing what they want, and they do it everywhere. They do it in Washington to the people that are their political enemies. They do it in the school system. They'll do it to your children. They do it on college campuses. They do it all over the place. And what's fascinating about this is that more and more parents are stepping up. And we've got one woman who is now the president of the United Women's Federation, and she stepped up and fought for her kid because her son, Stevie, was student body president at a university. And the woke agenda came after him. And you're going to hear an amazing story straight ahead. So I don't want you to, excuse me, I don't want you to miss that because um, I think these, these personal stories really, to me, inspire all of us to be better activists, to be better Americans, to do more because... There's a lot of people counting on us. Some of us think we're by ourselves. We'll be gone soon. And there's a, there's a trail of children that are going to become adults. The next generation's right behind us. And we owe it to them to do what's right. So stick around, folks. It's just getting started. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all of the social media if you want to chime in that way. Got a lot of uh, haters, critics, and detractors on social media. And I really do laugh a lot at their comments. So keep them coming. And our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. Keep it locked right here. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? Welcome to our number two of our late night national town hall conversation. I am Rich Valdez, happy to be here with you. And it's uh, Monday night, and there's plenty to talk about. Uh, the special counsel, Jack, what's his name, Jack Smith? I was going to call him Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Jack Smith is now looking to uh, tailor a very narrow gag order against Trump, uh, citing his disparaging and inflammatory attacks because Trump calls him deranged Jack Smith when he puts out posts on Truth Social. We're going to get to that at the bottom of the hour. I also want to talk about a story, right? The story of a, of a mom and her son who he, he was a student body president at a university. And the next thing you know, the wokeness comes after him. And uh, it, it's, it's a story that inspires me to, to say, you know what, congratulations, good on you. And we need more of that, right? That, that there's only one way that things get done in life, in my opinion, and it's when you do them. And there's an old saying that a closed mouth don't get fed, right? It's a saying from the streets when I was a kid. And it's so true. If you don't ask, you don't receive. And I want to get to this story with our guest, Gloria Giorno. She's the founder and president of United Women Foundation. She's a, a mom, an author, and a wife. And she's with us now. Gloria Giorno, welcome to the program. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So I want to, I guess, start out uh, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a first-generation American. My parents came here from communist Yugoslavia in 1956. And in 1972, my mother was awarded a Fulbright scholarship from the University of Chicago. So we got to go live in communist Yugoslavia, and I got to experience living in a communist country and attending first grade. And it's very interesting. What I learned as a first grader was that in my backpack, I always had a thousand U.S. dollars. And that was because I knew that if there was civil unrest, I knew how to get out of a country. I knew to get into the cab at the corner near my school. I knew to have that cab take me to the border of Yugoslavia and Italy where my aunt would meet me. And then my parents would come when they were able to. I also knew that that police officer that was standing on the corner and I saw every single day was not there to protect me. He was there to make sure that no one would speak out against communism and Josip Tito, who was the dictator at the time. So I lived there for a year. I saw this firsthand. It's eerie to me how many parallels I see now in our country with what I lived through in 72. I was six years old and I knew all this. And so I was raised in a very conservative Republican household. My parents knew what it was like. I knew what it was like. And so I feel that we've heavily influenced my children. So hence my son, the young conservative who was discriminated against at Belmont University. 
Well, I, I want to dig into some of those uh, experiences that you had in Yugoslavia, but I also want to get into this story, and thankfully we have a little bit of time to do it. So let's, mm-hmm. um, let's uh, unravel this. So your son is student body president at uh, Belmont University in Nashville, and what happens? Walk us through it. Well, my son was elected by 97% of his classmates. He was endorsed by the college Democrats as well as the college Republicans. And in January, he was sworn into office. Everything was going fine until on the 4th of July. Our son posted on his public personal Instagram a picture of himself that I had taken of him standing in front of the White House. He thanked our forefathers for our freedoms and wished everyone a happy 4th of July. A normal post. His most non-political post. Well, How dare he? 300... 300 comments. How dare he celebrate the 4th of July? 300 comments. A lot of them from people we knew, a lot of them from people we didn't know. You know, we call them keyboard warriors. You know, they hide Hmm. behind their keyboard. Yeah, they're like telephone tough guys and talk radio. Aren't? (laughs) Well, these kids were telling my son he should kill himself. He was a terrible person. How dare he celebrate the 4th of July as it was a covertly racist holiday. The next day, they start, uh, they started a change.org petition, which is even more unbelievable. And what was that so for? To impeach they, him? Yes, to impeach him from student <laughs> government at Belmont University, which Belmont University is a conservative Christian university. Mm-hmm. And so these students, we believe them to be students, some real names, some fake names, they got 377 signatures. And, you know, I hate to tell them, but you can't impeach a student body president or get anything accomplished with a change.org petition. Right. So they also started several Instagram accounts with my son's face, asking people to, you know, get rid of him and make Belmont a better school because Stevie was a racist. My son was labeled a racist for celebrating the 4th of July. Now, how was he responding to all of this? Obviously, he's not shy. He's the student body president. Was he taking them on head on? Was he kind of laying low, waiting for it to blow over? What was the approach like? Absolutely no comment whatsoever. He wasn't waiting for it to blow over. We just, he made no comment whatsoever. So they kept there, coming. They did, there, there was no validity. There was no validity to any of their claims. So there was no reason to say anything. So he said nothing. First off, the job of student body president at any university is not a political job. It is supposed to be there to help students if they perhaps have an issue with what's going on with a teacher or with a class or with being unable to get into a class. It's supposed to make the school better and it is not supposed to be political. So, our son did absolutely nothing, which enraged them even more because, you know, they want you to do something so that they can attack. But a lot of my son's friends did go to bat for him and um, it went back and forth and it got nowhere. So um, a few days later, I decided that I would call the president of the school. Please, he's now gone. But I did phone the president of the school and I talked to his assistant And I said, I need him to call me because I'd like to know what the plan is to keep my son safe. I mean, as a parent, you see 
go kill yourself. I mean, you take that kind of seriously. And one young woman wrote that if she saw Stevie, it would be on site, which I've now learned to mean that, you know, he would be beat up. Exactly. But I did not know this. This is some new English, I guess. And so it was just very interesting that um, the assistant at the president's office said they were aware of some drama going on about my son and the president of the school. Belmont is a small school. Overall, it's a very small school. And that the president would be reaching out to me. Well, guess what? He never did. Wow. A few days went by. Well, I want to take a quick pause and remind everybody, we're on with Gloria Giorno. Uh, she's a mom, a wife, and the author of the book, Outcast, How the Radical Left Tried to Destroy a Young Conservative. Uh, Gloria, stick with us. When we come back, I want you to walk us through the book and complete the story, because I think it's an interesting story and how the uh, the woke radical left is really trying to come after anybody. Even if you take a picture in front of the White House on the 4th of July and thank God for America. That's just crazy, in my opinion. Folks, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Familia, welcome back. We're on with Gloria Giorno. She's the author of Outcast, How the Radical Left Tried to Destroy a Young Conservative. The young conservative she's talking about is her son, Stevie, who was the student body president at Belmont University in Nashville, a traditionally conservative uh, Christian college. And uh, the woke left came after him for taking a picture and putting it on Instagram because he was celebrating the 4th of July, which, in their opinion, was an inherently racist celebration uh, everything they hate about America. So, Gloria, let's um, let's walk us through what people can expect to experience in the book and uh, and finish your story, of course. Well, um, the person who did call me was an attorney for Belmont University, and his first question to me was, "Are you suing Belmont University?" That was the farthest thing from my mind and my husband's mind. The only thing we wanted to know is. How are you going to keep our son safe on the college campus when we go back to school? Well, he had no answer for that, none whatsoever. Once again, he said he'd have somebody call us. Nobody did. We reached out to campus security. We had a Zoom meeting with them. We thought COVID was going to be over in a week or two. And um, I offered days to have to private flatten the curve, right? 15 that, days. That's exactly true. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's a good thing we didn't count on that. And so um, long story short is um, we offered, they had no solution. So my husband and I offered to have private security escort our son because the threats were getting real. The threats were starting to come from Stevie's fraternity as well. His fraternity told him if he did not endorse BLM that they would um, destroy his future. 
That was their quote. How did that materialize? um, They, one of the, one of his brothers actually called them out to standards, which is the governing board of a fraternity. And so there was a Zoom meeting and I do live in Tennessee. We're very privileged. We're very lucky. We're very blessed to be in the great state of Tennessee. One party consent. I recorded that entire meeting. I've recorded everything. Everything is documented. Everything I am telling you is documented in the book. Absolutely every last detail. And every detail was provided to Belmont University, to everything, everybody in the handbook that is supposed to get it was given every detail. There's a paper trail and no one responded to my son. So my son's fraternity endorsed BLM. So they said to him, if you don't endorse BLM, we will destroy you. And my son sat there and this was not supposed to be a meeting of, you know, let's kick Stevie out of a fraternity. Pretty much though, that's what it ended up being. I sat across from my son during that meeting and I could say nothing because this was a fraternity meeting. I could say nothing, but it was a horrible experience to go through. Belmont University, they endorsed BLM as well. So everyone endorsed BLM except for our son. He stood up and he told us. Well, um, Stevie gave everything, all the information to the school, and um, there was no consequence. A Christian conservative university stands with BLM, but my son, we're Gold Star members. We will never stand with anyone who is out to destroy the blue. We will never be there to defund the police, to burn down cities, rioting in the streets. We will never support that because that's not who we are. So our son is probably one of you at Belmont who said, absolutely not. He said, student government is not political, but they then they pressured him and said, we want you to put up a black box on your personal Instagram. Absolutely <laughs> not. So our son left the fraternity. And a couple of his friends actually did. And I'm really proud of those young men. And they're still friends of his. So um, the school, once again, our son followed the handbook rules. He turned in everything he was supposed to. And nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. This just went on. So I can tell you that if this is going on at a Christian conservative university, it's going on everywhere at every university. I mean, Belmont is not, I, I did not write this book to call Belmont out and say, hey, this is a horrible school. It's not. But it, what they're doing right now is horrible. Every university in this country is woke. Every single university. And unfortunately, the left has a great way of branding, marketing, and trying to suck our kids, no matter what we teach them, trying to suck them in to their fold. But we have to fight as parents. I mean, my book is an educational tool. Do Mm -hmm. not let your children give in to the left. You have to fight. You have to teach your child. I mean, Stevie stood alone for a lot of this. He wasn't allowed to bring his car to school. He was escorted at the end of the day by a police officer from Belmont from class to class to class. That's how he went to school. Was he able to finish his term as student body president? um, As a matter of fact, he was. And um, he found a way around it. They asked him not to do any meetings, but he found a way around it. He did it on Zoom. He actually, um, they rewrote the Constitution. They did quite a few things. He actually even brought in um, 
they did have a black student government association and he brought in a liaison from that group to be sitting there on the board with the Senate and with student government. So our son is in no way racist, in no way, shape or form. And so he was the one who brought them all together. He also wanted to issue statements Mm -hmm. during his tenure, but the school told him not to. They said that would create more drama. So basically they silenced my son, just like this. This is why I brought up the communist yeah. um, experience right. I was before. Ask you, just like before we, we run out of time, I just want to make sure that you, you're able to share this with the audience. What What's the number one parallel that you said you saw some parallels happening in today's age um, compared with what you saw growing up in communist Yugoslavia? What would you say the number one parallel is? Telling you how to think and how you have to think. Um, in a communist country, you cannot think for yourself. The news is owned by the government. The government tells you what to believe, kind of like today, right? And um, that is the greatest parallel. And then the second would be the silencing. I mean, you are silenced. You do what it is you're told to do, and you're never free. You think you're living in freedom, but you're not. You're as free as they let you think you are. And that is exactly what happened to my son at Belmont. I mean, these students that got on this bandwagon against my son, this year, of course, this fraternity and the school all celebrated the 4th of July. Evidently, it's no longer a racist holiday. <laughs> it was in 2020, but it's so not ultimately, anymore. ultimately, he won. Um, yes, our son went on to graduate. Our son was at the debate with President Trump, um, which the school did take him out of. But in the book, there are great details how hell hath no fury like a mother pissed off. And <laughs> I, I, I am that, that mother. And I am that mother who will fight for every conservative, who will fight for my son, your son, your daughter, every conservative at every university. And that's why I founded United Women Foundation. And we do have young women who are targeted by the left much more so than young men. My son, unfortunately, got caught up. I mean, he had worked on Republican campaigns since he was 17. His LinkedIn was public. So they knew what they were getting when they voted for my son. So it's not like anything changed. But unfortunately, young women are targeted so much more. So I work with young women. We give them scholarships for college. We base it on them being a conservative. We also mentor them. We find internships for them and Gloria, the music means they're kicking us out of here. I just want to make sure they get the website, unitedwomenfoundation.com. Gloria Giorno is the president and founder. Gloria, thanks for being with us. We appreciate your story. Thank you. You're welcome. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. Thank you, It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And again, I want to welcome KFNX, Phoenix, Arizona, our newest station. We've got hundreds of stations and we're adding more. So I'm grateful to those new stations that are jumping on board our late night national town hall conversation. And if you want to join us at any point, give us a call. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. 
And uh, President Trump did an interview with Kristen Welker on Meet the Press. She's the the new Chuck Todd there. And uh, here's a little sample of it. When you talk about retribution, are you talking about directing your attorney general to try to go after your political enemies? When I talk about retribution, I'm talking about fairness. We have to treat people fairly. (laughs) These people on January 6th, they went, some of them never even went into the building and they're being given sentences of, you know, many years. Are you going to pardon those people who've been convicted, well, Mr. President? Them, and I certainly might if I think it's appropriate. Uh, no, it's a very, very sad thing. And it's, they're dividing the country so badly and it's very dangerous. Well, Mr. President, we're going to delve into that a little bit later on. But I want to stay on this idea of what you mean by retribution. Are you looking to appoint an attorney general who will prosecute the people you tell them to prosecute? I'm looking to appoint an attorney general who's going to be tough on crime and fair. Very simple. It is very simple. Be tough on crime and fair. And I'm going to add the caveat. Maybe don't invent crimes and and then say that when you're defending yourself against these invented crimes that you're somehow obstructing justice because it seems to be that's the case. And then if you call the prosecutor deranged, well, your free speech rights go out the window and they call that um, witness intimidation. It's crazy what they're doing. And now they want to put a gag order on President Trump. I want to get to the bottom of that with one of his attorneys, Christina Bob. You might remember her from One American News. And uh, she's with us right now. Christina Bob, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You bet. I want to get your take on this because it seems to me unfair. But again, I'm biased. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the former president and I, I want to see him win. But I, I'm I'm interested in knowing the the legal basis. Uh, you're as an attorney. How um, how am I supposed to be looking at this? No, I think you're looking at it exactly right. I mean, uh, I don't legal or not. I think it's common sense that what they're trying to do is take away his First Amendment rights, take away his right to campaign. Um, and I, these indictments, I think, very clearly are election interference. They they can't stop him. They can't stop his popularity. Uh, and so the they're trying to throw him in jail. I mean, who would have thought that this is happening in the United States of America? But here we are. Yeah, it's, it's a sad day, really. I, I never thought that we'd be seeing this, at least not so blatant and not mm-hmm. so in your face. You know, there's always been some malfeasance. I worked in state government and I saw lots of things that I was like, well, I never saw that when I was on the outside. But uh, ultimately, I think, you know, it was always covert. It wasn't overt. And what we're seeing with Trump, I think, is incredibly overt. Now, this this gag order, Jack Smith, had uh, the special counsel, Jack Smith, had sought a gag order and it was too broad. And that didn't happen. But now he's seeking something that's a little bit more narrow as it's being reported in the fake news and in some other outlets. How accurate is that? And what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, that's what he's trying to do. They're they're trying to limit President Trump's ability, not just his rights, but his ability to speak about what's happening to him. I mean, part of the bedrock of our freedoms is that we can speak about what the government is doing. That That's partially, at least, how we hold the government accountable and make sure that the government doesn't overstep their authority, right? If, if the people are allowed to talk openly about what the government's doing and the government starts acting very corruptly, people are going to talk about that. And they're trying to shut that ability down now because what they're doing is so bad 
and so blatantly a violation of our constitutional freedoms that that they're scared that he's not only is he talking about it, but people are listening to him. I mean, I think that's the bigger problem, right? Of course. If he didn't have a following and if nobody believed anything Donald Trump said, they wouldn't care that he's speaking about it. The problem is he's the most popular presidential candidate in this race in the entire nation. The entire world is listening to what he's saying. And so that's why they're trying to shut it down, I think. Folks, we're on with Christina Bob. She's uh, an attorney for uh, President Trump's Save America PAC. And I want to um, play devil's advocate here and say, you know, if mm-hmm. the shoe were on a different foot, if let's say when I was a kid, one of the biggest bad guys was John Gotti. He was a big mafioso from New York. So let's just say mm-hmm. John Gotti is now uh, under indictment for a RICO charge and a documents charge and uh, paying Stormy Daniels charge and, and going after Brad Raffensperger charge and every other charge they want to come up with. And and they tell John Gotti, hey, listen, um, we can't have you talking about this case in the public. We can't have you going after witnesses. That would be perceived as fair, no? Uh, I, why? What, I mean, if... If we want to say you can't threaten witnesses, yes, yeah, certainly, but you can't threaten witnesses anyway. I mean, the only reason right. why people might be okay with John Gotti is because they'd be concerned that he would actually harm somebody or encourage people to harm someone. But just talking about what they're doing, I don't, I'm, I don't see why that would be a right. problem. And that's really the basis of my question was I don't see the correlation that the government is making between Trump saying, I think these guys are bad guys and they're coming after me and Jack Smith is deranged and how that is somehow equated to witness intimidation or jury um, manipulation. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it is. I think it I think it's intimidating to the prosecution because they know that people believe him. But I don't he's never threatened anybody. He's never done anything that would um, threaten anybody's ability to testify honestly or openly or transparently, they don't like the fact that he makes fun of people. You know, they don't like the fact that he embarrasses the people who are supporting them because their case is so ridiculously weak. They have very little evidence. They have no evidence of any actual crime. And so they want to, they want to try to pretend that making fun of the fact that they don't actually have any evidence to support their claims um, is somehow intimidation. It's it's not. I mean, to your point with the the Gotti example, it's very clearly not the same thing. Right, and that's my point. And and even Gotti, he was allowed to talk. Right, he was he was allowed yeah. to talk about things. He made a statement. His lawyer would make a statement. Uh, he kept it very brief. But again, the guy was you know they were saying he was killing people and he was you know running the mob. Yeah, and, and he was allowed to say things and like you know I'll I'll be vindicated and I'll be you know he was able to say things. And the fact that they want to silence Trump uh, originally with this larger gag order while he's running for president to me is just egregious. And this new gag order where they're saying it's no, well, specifically to witnesses, that's that's already a law, right? That's that's just an understood thing. You can't threaten witnesses. So I don't understand. Like, I mean, I think you have to you have to take things for what they are. And again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just a person. And I look at this and I say, you've got this guy. arguably one of the most famous people on the planet, right? I I think he is. Most people, I think he can go anywhere. Donald Trump and they, oh, yeah, 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 that guy. So if if you have a person like this who, and and he's a bombastic guy who has a great audience and a tremendous platform, 
Uh, it, it seems to me punitive in every single way to say you can't do this. Oh, and by the way, you're running for president. You, you can't do that either because that's in effect what they're doing. It's not interference. It's almost like they're totally chilling and quashing the whole process of him running for president by saying you can't talk. You're exactly right. I mean, you don't need to be an attorney to understand nuances of what's going on. I mean, I think it's pretty plain. That's exactly what they're doing is they're they're trying to stop his ability from speaking about the corruption and the, the I think they also realize that the corruption message is playing well with the American people. The American people are responding. They're seeing what's happening. They're seeing the the difference in treatment between Joe Biden and Donald Trump and even Hunter Biden and Donald Trump. They're seeing how the Department of Justice is protecting the Biden family while targeting unfairly targeting their political opponents. And the Department of Justice has become like a Gestapo type arm for either the Biden family or the DNC or whatever this corrupt organization is that's uh, in control of our government at the moment. And so they're trying to stop him. I mean, it's not, a, you know, it's not a complex legal analysis. It's just common sense. That's what they're doing. It's clear to me that they're definitely not representing we the people. Folks, we're on with yeah. uh, Christina Bob. Christina Bob, you've seen her on OAN over the years. Uh, she's a attorney for Trump Save America PAC, and she's also the author of the book, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Christina Bob, stick with me. I want to go over a few things uh, related to um, Robin Ware. You might know him better as Joe El Baboso Biden, the president of the United States, and his many <laughs> aliases. We're going to get into that in a little bit more. And as well as Hunter. Hunter's suing the IRS. I mean, there's so many things going on. So don't move muscle, folks. We're coming right back with Christina Bob. 833-482-5337. If you want to join the conversation, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. night with rich valdez call now 833-4-VALDEZ that's 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ that's valdez with an s where do you stand on the president's age and and on the age of those senior politicians more generally I think it's wrong to look at age. I think we should look at capacity. I think we should look at acuity. I think we should look at leadership. You know, last year was the most legislatively successful year since the 1960s Great Society legislation of, of Lyndon Johnson. We passed six major pieces of legislation under the leadership of Joe Biden. You know, why don't we talk about the capacity uh, of Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene? I'm far more concerned, frankly, about their mental capacity and whether or not they're on the level uh, than older elected officials. So we should let the voters decide about who's performing and who's not. And certainly President Biden is performing remarkably. That's Representative Jason Crow. Yeah, I know you thought he was a stand-up comic, but it's not. He's a Democrat from Colorado. 
And he was on Morning Joke today on MSNBC saying it's wrong to look at Biden's age. We've got to look at uh, mental acuity and his capacity for the topic and leadership. And, and all I could hear in all of that is we need to do away with the Constitution. We need to do away with elections. We need to do away with we the people making decisions here. And, and uh, it, it, this just reeks to me of people just uh, doing what they want. And it, it it smacks of authoritarianism, in my opinion. Christina Bob is uh, an attorney with the Trump team, and she's with us. Christina Bob, what do you think about this? Uh, I completely agree with your assessment. Uh, my initial reaction when we said we need to let the voters decide, we do right. need to let the voters decide. Do I need to stop rigging elections and let the <laughs> voters decide? We we get into this problem when I, I can't even say the left. It's just this elitist, you know, whether you want to call it administrative class or, you know, aristocracy, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. when they start pulling the strings and manipulating things, that is a, a very serious problem for our country. And that's why we're facing the dire, dire straits that we're in right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think it's interesting the people he picks out, of course, he's being a politician, Congresswoman Boebert and Green. Uh, but right. it, it just, it's, it's interesting to me how it, it, it's almost like, Republicans are insane. We have to check their mental ability. And, uh, of course, I mean, I could do that on talk radio all day. That's kind of my job. But this guy's actually elected in Congress. And it, it seems like, you know, Trump, I've always said, was the talk radio president. You know, he, he handled the presidency like like a talk radio host would have. <laughs> he took on the media. He took on the left. He didn't care. You know, he was taking mm-hmm. names and kicking butt. Um, and this guy's trying this approach, but it, I think he's failing miserably at it. And ultimately, whether people are old or people are whatever, we have a process for that, right? It's called impeachment. It's called the 25th Amendment. Whether you like it or not, we have a system. Whether we can get to them or not is a different story and and a different uh, problem to address. But I think the mechanism is there. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we need any new tests or or assessments or anything because the, the, the ability to do what we need to do is already there. Do you agree? I completely agree. And uh, I mean, the test is the election. You know, if they hadn't rigged right. the election, then these senile people wouldn't be in office, save for Mitch McConnell. The only reason he's in office is because Donald Trump endorsed yeah. him, you know, regretfully. But no, we, we have the correct system in place. They just need to stop meddling with it and trying to fix the outcomes of it. I mean, uh, the American people know what's best for us collectively. And they need to just stop stop meddling with it. And this whole idea that Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert or, or the right is somehow insane, um, I, I think it's a very dangerous idea, and we're seeing it very pervasive now. So Judge Chuckin, the judge for President mm-hmm. Trump in the January 6th case in Washington, D.C., she recently came out in another January 6th case. You know, she has a bunch of January 6th cases. Um, the transcript was just released, and she after, you know, sentencing the defendant, she basically says, you know, I know you were just following what you believe to be politically accurate, but you were deceived, you were fooled, you need to reconsider. She basically says you need to reconsider your political views and recommends reading to him about how he can change his perspective on the political landscape. I mean, it, it, it's, it's astonishing to have a judge from the bench tell someone that their political views are wrong and they need to re-educate themselves. 
Yeah, he was sentenced to watch CNN and MSNBC for multiple hours a day. What a punishment. Folks, we're on with Christina Bob. We got to take a quick pause. We're coming right back. I want to get her thoughts on the Biden crime family and the latest on that. And a reminder, get a copy of her book, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Don't move a muscle. We're coming back with Christina Bob. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Christina Bob. She's an attorney for Trump and the author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Christina Bob, I want to spend the next few minutes um, getting your analysis on what's going on. There's a lot of fronts with this Biden stuff. You've got the impeachment into Joe El Baboso Biden, and then you've got the uh, all the legal cases that are going on with Hunter Biden, but he's suing the IRS saying, oh, my gosh, you guys shared my information. And and he's whining a lot more than than Trump ever did when they forced Trump to put his taxes out. What say you? I really appreciate that you're raising this issue because I don't think the media is making a big enough deal about this. Hunter Biden is a member of the first family and he's suing the IRS. The IRS is an agency under the executive branch, which is run by Joe Biden. Ultimately, the IRS reports to his father. So I believe this is the first time in U.S. history where the first family is suing an agency in the executive branch that he is responsible for running. Um, I think this is a a political, not just a a political hack job, but it's really um, disheartening to see the extent to which this crime family is willing to go to destroy this country. Now, they didn't sue the whistleblowers individually in this, but it's clearly an attempt to try to thwart anybody else from coming forward and deflect and delay and try to push this out, um, all of these the IRS scandals, and try to get some type of retribution of their own um, because the IRS whistleblowers outed the fact that Hunter Biden's not paying his taxes. He owes over $2 million, at least in taxes, from stuff that we know about. Now, that doesn't count all of the illegal activity that he used the shell companies for that the House right. Oversight and Judiciary Committees are coming up with. So um, it's, it's really, really remarkable what they're doing to destroy this country. Christina Bob, very quickly, let everybody know how they can get a copy of your book. Yes, uh, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Folks, Christina Bob, she's a Trump attorney and the author of the book. Get a copy of the book. Get another one. Give it as a gift. Christina Bob, you are a gentlewoman, a patriot, and a scholar. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. You bet. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Open Phone America. the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Monday evening. I want you to join our late-night national town hall conversation, so give us a call, 833-482-5337. And there's a few things that are going on today. Uh, it's September 18th, that makes it National Cheeseburger Day. It also makes it the birthday of the Air Force. So happy birthday to the Air Force. And a couple of items of note, uh, NBC News is claiming that Biden is afraid that he will die before Hunter Biden's legal troubles are resolved. That's foreshadowing for we're going to drag this out forever and a day and he'll never see the inside of a cell. And um, we um, we had a discussion with uh, Mike Davis on Friday where he said he won't see not one second of jail time. And I thought that was uh, quite a pronounced statement. Uh, Let me see what else we've got here. We've got Hunter suing the IRS. We talked about that. We got Cash Patel suing uh, Director Ray and uh, several officials in the Department of Justice for spying on him. And he found out from guess who from Google. If you missed that interview, that was a really good interview. He uh, laid it all out for us. Uh, you can check it out at Rich Valdez, America at night.com. We also heard from a mom who uh, was in the struggle with her son, who was student body president at a conservative Christian university. And he was pressured to take a knee. He was pressured to bow down to uh, the Marxist leftist group, Black Lives Matter on his college campus. And another really good interview, quite an amazing story. And we also heard from President Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, on a number of issues, not the least of which was the gag order that's been imposed on former President Trump, or they're planning to impose on former President Trump under the guise of witness intimidation or jury jury nullification or whatever they call that. And uh, it just, the whole thing is just crazy to me. Um, I mean, I think it is what it is. You're not supposed to go after witnesses, and I think that's kind of understood. They're just calling it that to make it make a little more sense for them. And uh, a couple of audio clips I want to get to as well. And let me see, there was one more story that I wanted to throw out there. Um, Well, I don't see it right now, so I'll get back to it. Oh, Chuck Schumer the Senate majority leader has loosened the dress code in the uh, Senate chambers and in, in the Senate overall, where you can now dress in a more relaxed manner right now. Listen, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, I I worked in, in, in business and then I worked in government and in all of that, I I've, I've worn a suit most days of my life and people used to joke and me, you do sleep in a suit. And I, I, I wore a tie and a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I work in radio. And I was always chastised by my friends in radio because they would say, man, you dress really sharp for a guy that's in radio. And they were like, why are you so dressed up? I was like, that's the only kind of clothes I have. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I'm not wearing jeans and a T-shirt. 
And I mean, I do have other clothes, but I didn't think you, you, you'd go to work like that. But the radio culture is very different since nobody can see you. That's why the, the old joke, you have a face for radio. And I've learned to be more relaxed over the last few years. And I, I dress as what I wear, whatever I feel like wearing, honestly. Um, and it, it's radio. It's not the United States Senate. And I, I, I'm not taking a personal affront to this. I like being more relaxed. For years, I wore the suit and tie, and now I like, you know, taking it easy, chilling a little bit. But I, I'm also a fan of getting dressed up if you got to get on TV or something like that. My point is, I, I appreciate the freedom that I have. And I'm sure John Fetterman appreciates his newfound freedom of being able to wear his hoodie and basketball shorts. Uh, I just don't think that that's a great look for the Senate. However, I do think that there are people that might see this and say, well, you know, I see myself now serving in the Senate because I never saw myself as one of these middle-aged guys with white hair that, uh, you know, I, I didn't fit that mold. But now I can see myself as John Fetterman, a bald-headed big guy that's wearing a hoodie. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd love your opinion on that because I'm not sure exactly uh, where I land on it. I, I can't imagine... Um, the State of the Union address and seeing, you know, everybody wearing a hoodie, like maybe AOC's tax the rich hoodie or something like that. It to me would just be crazy. Or maybe some Republicans wearing like MAGA hoodies. You know, that would be funny. I just don't know if we'll ever see that. And maybe we will. And would it be a big deal or not? I don't know. And I'd love for you to weigh in on that. Let me give you the phone number 833-482-5337-8334 Valdez. I want to go to Bill, Jefferson City, Missouri, KTTR, great station. And Bill is uh, the unofficial historian for the program. Bill, welcome. Yes, sir. It's a great night, a wonderful 76th anniversary of the Air Force, which I am kind of fond of. Uh, my favorite president, Harry Truman, uh, signed that into law. And my favorite Senator, very Senator Stuart Symington became the first secretary of the Air Force. So here's to the Air Force today, but I also wanted to cover a little history that's happening tonight. The uh, mm -hmm. South Carolina F-35B Lightning of the Marine Corps uh, went down, but they found it. Uh, did you hear that? Yeah, they recovered the plane. I did, I did. I read briefly right before I came yeah, on the air. I saw they that. Have they don't want people to go around and look at it, but uh, sorry for the Marine Corps, but uh, uh, it was. Uh, I'm glad to, that it didn't go on autopilot. So uh, they'll have to. I guess the secretary or acting secretary of the Marine Corps will uh, uh, have them stand down all the F-35Bs and uh, uh, till they figure out. You know what they need. What they need to know for these uh, guys that were flying the two people that were flying that sortie. So anyway, that was my thought for the evening. Other than also in St. Louis tonight, mm -hmm. Adam Wainwright uh, achieved his 200th victory for the St. Louis Cardinals against the Milwaukee, whatever they are, Brewers or something. So <laughs> that's my thought. Well, congratulations to him. Now, Bill, I want to ask you a question. Although you're the unofficial resident historian here. I, I want to ask you, what do you think about the Senate relaxing the dress code? You think it's a good thing, a bad thing, something of no consequence? Can you imagine the entire Senate wearing basketball shorts and a hooded sweatshirt to go bad vote? Bad thing. Bad thing. <laughs> Easy question to answer. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I like formal protocol in, in a 
place like the Senate where there aren't that many guys or gals. Uh, and uh, so that that's my thought. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I, I really, I think when you're doing business, you do business. You know, if I was going to sign a contract or I was going to do anything, you, you, you want to put your best foot forward and look sharp in whatever you do. And uh, I know my, I, I always um, beat up Jim Jordan when he comes on. I go, it's, you know, our favorite congressman wearing no jacket. Uh, but even Jim Jordan has to wear a jacket on the House floor because that's part of their rules. So I just wonder if that's going to apply in the actual Senate chamber or if it's just around Capitol Hill. And are we really moving forward or are we moving backward? I think it's a backward move. But uh, I, I get the argument. Bill, thanks for the call. I always appreciate hearing from you. Thank you so much for your listenership. Uh, let's continue. Let's go to Paul. Is it Laconia, New Hampshire, WEMJ? Paul, go right ahead. It is Laconia, New Hampshire. Yeah, it's uh, 1077 The Pulse is what I listen to you on. Every night on my way home from work, it's a very uplifting show. Thank you. And it's very to the point. Yeah, it it, it is awesome for uh, a new uh, post-pandemic uh, Republican, such as myself, to, to listen to. Now, I was becoming a Republican in the middle of Trump's term, I was like, you know what? I really like this guy. He's doing a great job. I'm going to vote for him in the next election. And then it became a no-brainer after all the nonsense. I have some questions for you, and I kind of want to hear your opinion. Sure. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. So the fundamental difference between – people need to forget this – between a Democrat and a Republican, and I just want to kind of remind people, Democrats want – bigger government and conservatives, Republicans want government to be involved in less. And there's nothing really uh, positive or negative about either of those ideologies. It's the foundation that we build our laws on. You know, we need the government to be involved in some things like this much. And we really shouldn't have government like healthcare is the biggest debatable one. And I think people forget now that it's turned into this establishment, rebels versus establishment nonsense, that, you know, the two-party system works for a reason. And there are a lot of people out there, mostly on the left, that want to almost do away with it and just say, nope, you do what we say and that's it. I have a question for you. Why is why are there people that I voted for Gore? That was the first time I voted, and I'm still proud that I voted for Gore, and I think he would have been a good president. But I'm not gonna because I voted for Gore 20 years ago. I'm not like oh I'm just gonna stay a Democrat for the rest of my life and just do whatever people that call themselves Democrats do. Why are there people that aren't waking up? What do you what do you think the people in this country that just well, that's my party, and I'm just going to support them. What's going on there? Why are they afraid to wake up, or why are they not waking up? Just because they don't like a president that did a good job? What is the reason, in your opinion? I'm going to say it in Spanish. Orgullo y costumbre. right? Pride and an established practice. Some people are just too proud to admit, man, my team sucks. And there's people that are Dallas Cowboys fans, right? And they're Dallas Cowboys fans because their parents were Dallas Cowboys fans. And, and they're, they're not necessarily from Dallas. And they're not even from the, from, from the, the Southwest or, or anything like that. They're just, that, that's the team that they've chosen. So, you know, you got to think when it comes to politics, there's a lot of people that are, I live in New Jersey now. And, you know, in New Jersey, there are so many people that you'll meet 
and I meet, and they'll say, hey, Rich, you know, I like Trump. Well, no, I'm a Democrat. I always vote for Democrats. I'm a union guy. And you know, there's so much politics and, and, and union commingling that some people feel like they, they just can't maintain employment if they don't vote for Democrats. It's, it's a power thing. And this is part of my issue with unions overall is that it's great to have a union if you're looking out for people so they don't get hurt on the job and you help to negotiate the best deal you can. But when it becomes this massive political power structure, that becomes problematic. And this is part of what we see, number one. Number two, I think uh, people are just too proud. People say, you know, um, I'm a Democrat. I've been voting Democrat my whole life. And some people really do um, appreciate what they offer. They, they like the idea that the government should be involved. There are people that are not socialists, but they do prefer a government approach. And I only know this because I ask a lot of questions when I go places, just anywhere, restaurants. I talk to the servers. I talk to people. And I'll ask them, whose responsibility is it to take care of you? And many of them will turn to me and be like, the government. And, and this is a warped view. And this is where it gets into the weeds with me because I'll say, well, the reason they think this way is because they learned in a, in a university or college setting that's run by Marxists um, and or in a public school, which is run by Democrats that fund the teachers union or vice versa. So I think when you have structures or I should say um, systems in our society that are completely affected by a political movement, you're going to see an outcome of that. Conversely, Conservatives, Republicans, mainly conservatives, I would say they their main mantra is let me mind my business and you mind yours. Let me do my thing and leave me alone. And it's that it's a double edged sword. While you just want to exercise your liberty at the same exact time, you're letting people run amok around you because you're not checking anybody. And you've got to check people because your status quo will disappear while they're being activists. And you're just raising your family, going to work and minding your business. And that's the fundamental problem we see. And Democrats have honed in on this, especially the radical left within the Democrat Party. They've seen that you can do whatever you want because the conservatives are too busy going to church, working, doing what they got to do and being with their families. They don't care about what we're doing until we've done so much that they care. And that's the, the catch 22 that we've got. Paul, I thank you for your call. I got to take a quick pause right here. Big shout out to you and everybody in Laconia, New Hampshire, WEMJ. I appreciate the call. More from you all straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're getting to your calls momentarily. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. And I just want to share a story with you. This is in Fox News, and this is what's troubling. 
Uh, school claims no discriminate, discrimination after a black student was suspended for his hairstyle. Texas is one of 24 states with enacted versions of something called the Crown Act. Now, I can't believe there's even a law on this, but the same week that Texas outlawed racial uh, discrimination based on hairstyles, a black high school student was suspended because school officials said his dreadlocks violated the district dress code. Listen to this. Quote, I just want to say that my son wants to get the education that he needs and not be discriminated against because of his hair. That's Darisha George uh, speaking of her son, Daryl George, who's a 17-year-old junior at Barbers Hill High School in uh, Mont Bellevue outside of Houston. He received an in-school suspension after he was told his hair fell below his eyebrows and earlobes. That's according to the Associated Press. It's George's first year at the high school, and his mom alleges that things got off to a rocky start from day one. Because they know his hair is long, every day he comes to school, he will be in in-school suspension because they know when it's let down, it's below his eyelids and his earlobes. The incident recalls debates over hair discrimination in schools and the workplace and is already testing the state's newly enacted Crown Act, which took uh, place just on September 1st. So, Crown, by the way, stands for Create a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. Now, I can't believe, I got to be very frank with you, I can't believe that we need a law that says that somebody's hair has to meet a standard for them to go to high school. When I was in high school, there was, it was like the TV shows, you know, you had the jocks, you had uh, the, um, the stoners, you had every, all these different groups. And there was a bunch of rocker guys that had long hair, black guys with long hair, white guys with long hair, a couple of Hispanic guys with long hair. And I can't imagine why that's anybody's problem. Now, I understand if you're in a shop class and they say, hey, look, you got to pull your hair back. You got to keep it away from the machines. That's a different story. But a dress code that that manages your hair saying it can't be longer than your earlobes or your eyebrows or touching your collar. I mean, this isn't the military. This is a school. I I just, I I think that's one of the stupidest things I've heard, honestly. I get that it teaches discipline, but you're going to tell us. And when I'm looking at this kid's hair, his hair might be long, but he's got it braided and it's up. It's not even touching his neck and it's really well kept. I, I, I just, I can't believe that. That sounds, I don't know. I'm going to go with unconstitutional. I have a right to free speech through my hair. That's a self-expression, isn't it? I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on this. I don't care what color he is or what color his hair is. You don't tell people what to do with their hair. 833-4-VALDEZ. You have one of the greatest shows that radio's ever had. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. That was a nice clip from our friend Tony Orlando, the legendary singer and entertainer. Uh, Very nice compliment he paid me. Thank you, Tony Orlando. Let's continue, folks, with your calls. I want you to weigh in on some of this stuff because I think it's crazy. 
Uh, let's go to Tammy. She's in uh, Tahoe, California. K O W L. Tammy, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you. Thank you, Rich Valdez. It is um, Monday, you know, September 18th, 2023. And yes. uh, yesterday, um, September 17th in 1787, we, we drafted the Declaration, the Constitution of a uh, United States government. Outstanding. It's You're right. It was a Constitution moment. Day. Constitution yes, it Day. Was. And I yes, actually, and thanks for the reminder because I talked about it on Friday, but I said I'm going to talk more about it on Monday, and I didn't include it in, in my rundown for today. And that's, that's a shame on me. I do know better. But, and I appreciate that. I'm glad that you brought it up. And you know, one of the nicest things that I've done uh, over the years, I've taken my kids to lots of places, uh, was the visit to Constitution Hall. And getting that guided tour and whatnot and learning about the history and like just being there. And it was like, wow, this is where these guys and they really slaved away. They really did. It wasn't a simple process. They were there for a long time, for many long hours. And they really had to um, go through this painstaking process to to reach the consensus that they ultimately reached. And it's a, a document that's defied the test of time thus far, despite this country being one of the youngest um, I'm going to use the word democracies, but we are a republic in the world. Um, we're also the oldest constitutional republic of our kind. And it's it's a quite a unique situation to be America and quite a unique situation to be an American. Wow. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for everything that you do. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, did you want to weigh in on this dress code with the, with the hair? Because... Uh, I, I think it's crazy to tell somebody what they got to do with their hair. This, the whole thing was, um, let me tell you, is that, like, if I did the math, it's about two, 270-something years since the Constitution was signed? Uh, I think we're at 200 and, no, less, because there was 1891, and... Um, we declared independence in 1776, and that was 248 years ago. So it's a little bit less than 248. Okay. Carry so the four. What I want to I want to ask you because you're awesome, and oh, uh, we're we're all adults, and um, so uh, a person whose hair grows out of their head in uh, 2023, I want to honor them because that is their in their that is their um, human physical moments. Yeah, it's like, their right, right? It's like a human right that you're allowed to have hair. I don't have any hair, so they've taken away my rights. But I get what you're saying, and I feel the same way. Listen, I, 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 I worked uh, in, a, in a college, and I've had kids in public school, and I can tell you the only time they're kicking your kid out of school uh, is when they, you know, if, if they call you and are like, hey, your kid has lice, you got to take your kid home or something like that. Uh, but outside of that, um, and it's never happened to me, it, none of those situations have happened to me. I've never had anybody do, say anything about my kid's hair. But that's the only time I've ever seen them even like check my own hair. Was like, you know, they run the comb through your hair and they go, all right, you're good, next. And, and that's it. And that would be a public health situation. But I think taking a 17-year-old kid that's a junior in school for whatever, whether he's a white kid that's like a rocker, that's got, you know, long blonde hair, he's a surfer dude, whatever. Uh, to me, I just, I can't imagine. Now, listen, if you're in the military, a military school, something like that, Whatever. But going to a public school that has a dress code, that's fine. Want me to wear a uniform? No problem. 
Um, you you can recommend what I do with my hair, but ultimately you you, you can't tell people how to dress, uh, in my opinion, and at least how to wear their hair. Um, it it just I think it's it's crazy uh, that if you have long hair you can't wear it long. Again, if you're in a shop class or something like that and it's going to get in the way or it's dangerous, got it. But to make these arbitrary rules, no, no, we want everybody to look alike, and we want—I I get that. You know, this is why they shave your head when you go to the military. Super. It's school. It's not the military. If the kid wants to have long hair, let him. Have, and I'm looking at the picture. The kids, again, it may have been after the fact, but it looks amazing. It's up and whatever. Now let's switch gears. Let's go to the um, the change in dress code in the Senate, uh, with uh, Senator Fetterman being the clearest example of. You know, he wears a bald head. He's got, like me, he wears a hoodie. I have hoodies. And uh, he's always wearing shorts. And and that's fine if that's the brand you've got. I'm not mad at him for that. But I do think there should be a little bit of pomp and circumstance in the Senate. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. I disagree. I disagree. Well, no, I the Senate, it, this is our, um, in England, everybody still wear the wigs yeah. and all the pomp and circumstance. And like I will, I disagree a hundred percent with the hoodie. I had it. I have um, medical issues. I have to be like this, that, and we have to all like no, no. I have political um, people in my family who had to wear suits and ties. They had to. This is a protocol. Like you don't, like you don't like you don't disrespect the Senate. With like, well, you have to make accommodations for this. You have to make accommodations for that. Da 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 da. It's like, no, this is a a dem- democratic um, country that we we fought for our uh, everything, and then you guys are just gonna you basically have you read history books? If you don't handle it in the first two hundred and fifty years, basically. D- democracies fail. Yeah, I think you're right. This is how you you begin to to go the wrong direction. Not necessarily the dress code, but when you start to undermine what things are. And I just think I get invitations to a lot of parties, and there's always a dress code at the bottom of the invitation. You know, uh, business casual, business formal, black tie. Right? If you can request somebody to dress a certain way to go to a party, how do you not expect to have a job where you show up and you do the people's business and you're conducting business on behalf of we the people? And you're not supposed to look a certain type of way, right? I mean, I would think that, 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 that that's warranted, right? That's your job. This is not public school. So to me, they're, they're apples and oranges, and I think you're right. I appreciate you bringing up the Constitution. Thank you, Tammy. You're a uh, gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot. Thanks for the call from Tahoe, California, K-O-W-L. And I want to continue. Let's go. Where do we go here? Let us go to Sarah Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. Oh, great to talk to you, and please forgive my ignorance, because I only vaguely heard about the hair case. I didn't know if it was at a public school or a private school, and I was going to say I went to a private school, but it was non-denominational, and as long as you wore clothing, you were okay, and you could wear your hair any way you wanted it. But I know, like, the kids who went to Catholic school, you know, the girls had to wear, like, skirts, and the boys had to wear, like, you know, dress pants and white shirts and stuff, and conceivably, I guess, a school they wanted to, even a public school, if I guess they got the board degree, could have a hair code, although that's kind of a 
sticky issue because, like I say, if the kid has his hair neatly dreadlocked or braided, then he could say, hey, I'm making an effort to keep it up. So I, I don't know if this is a private school or a public no, school. No, it's a public school. It's part of the Barbers wow. Hill Independent School District. And again, I, I'm take away that he's black because if it's specific to kids with dreadlocks then it sounds like a racist rule i'm talking about anybody you know if i were to go in there with with my hair long or you know a blonde person were to go in there with their hair long or whomever uh, again i i just i went to school with a bunch of people that had very long hair and they they got sweaty they put a bandana on it and kind of pull it back if they didn't feel like it they'd rock it out i mean who is anybody in this school to say how you wear your hair what country do we live in where you're going to tell me how I wear my hair? I, I, I really, this is a tough one for me to swallow. Yeah, it makes me wonder what they were thinking of. If, if, I mean, I, I don't know if it's an independent school, maybe a charter school, and I think charter schools have a little bit more latitude. But even so, why are they caring if the kid's a, like a, a good kid and he's not causing trouble? Who cares how he wears his hair? You know, me personally. But it, but it sounds like that when if it's an independent school, I guarantee it's probably a charter school. So they have more latitude, and they can enforce all sorts of rules. So it sounds like someone got in there and, I don't know, wanted to be a fuss budget or something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, th- there's a, that Crown Act in Texas. And, uh, Sarah, I think that there's a lawsuit brewing here. I'm pretty sure they're going to win on any grounds they want. First of all, you know, if, if, if I'm a blonde surfer dude or, or uh, a Puerto Rican guy with long hair, either way, and I go there and I say, I like to wear my hair like this. And they say, well, that's against our policy. I can say, hey, look, there's a crown act in this school and I want to wear my hair how I want. But if I'm a black kid and I can say, no, you know, my family has roots in Jamaica and our religion is Rastafari and we're Rastafarians and wearing long hair this way is a part of our religion. Now you're messing with the First Amendment and the Constitution and his freedom of religion, his freedom of expression. Uh, this to me sounds like a huge loss coming for, for the school and I can't believe that they would do such a thing. It, it, to me, it, it just smacks of stupidity, honestly. Uh, kudos to this kid for taking a stand. He's been in in-school suspension every day since August 31st because um, he's now. And I'll share the story if you guys want to check it out, at Rich Valdez on the social media, because uh, it's a nice haircut. If I had hair, I'd have hair just like that. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, folks, stick around. I want to continue with the rest of your call. Sarah, thank you for the call from Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. I'm glad you're back on the late shift and you're with us. And we're coming right back to the rest of your calls and more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Congratulations on just an amazing show. I know you've worked so hard in the industry, and nobody deserves it more than you do. So I'm happy to see you really succeeding here. It's awesome. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. 
All right, I don't want to beat this hair thing to death, but I don't have any hair. So I get jealous when people that have hair are discriminated against. Let's go to Justin in Frostburg, Maryland, WCBC. Justin, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. No, I'm, now I'm running out of mine, too. I, I feel you there. But, uh, <laughs> yes, sir, I was I was long-haired on top. You know, the top knot was there, and everything was shaved on the sides, and I used to be a headbanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm 43 now. But, you know, as kids, I went through the flop, the headbang, the shaved head, the, the uh, uh, what's the mohawk. I went through every. As a kid, you went through everything because that's the only thing you can express because you don't go home and get your tail whooped by your mom. Right. And again, as a single mom, you know, or a person had a single mom, uh, I wasn't asking for that at all, but I could go to school and be myself. But then again, you know, like I was telling your man uh, about this David Bowie thing, I said, you know, this is a long time ago. And from the breakfast club, he he put this at the end as, and these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what's going on around them. So if you yeah. take this away, they're going to sprout in other ways. I agree with that. And, and, and that's a great point that you're making. But to me, it just, it, it, the, the, the main point of who are you to tell me how to wear my hair? I'm not in the army. I'm not a cop. I'm not a senator. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just, I, do you think they would tell a senator this if we had a senator that had long hair? And wanted to wear it a certain way. I'm sorry, sir, you can't wear your hair. And if they did, that it still makes a little bit of sense to me because that's your job, right? You've been hired to do this job. But this kid is going to school. It's a public school. I, I, I just can't imagine. It, it makes it worse that he's black because it looks racist. I, I can't, you know, nobody told you, right? You're a white guy, uh, I'm presuming. Did you have dreadlocks or are you a white guy? Is, is, did anybody discriminate against you, Justin? Actually, I was called a wigger because the black girls next door, <laughs> when they found out that I had long hair, they braided my hair up tight as could be, and I wore ah. it for a whole week. If I had long hair, I I would be wearing braids too. I think that's such a cool hairstyle, and uh, I, I'm just jealous. Honestly, I wish I did. But I, I, I hear your point, and I think you're you're spot on, man. And I, I can't believe that this is even a, a story that we're doing uh, on this show because. It's just so crazy to me that you're going to put a kid in in-school suspension who's trying to get an education because you don't like his hair. That That is the dumbest thing ever, and there should be some lawyer somewhere in the Houston area that's looking to take on this case and make national headlines because the case is already making national headlines. And this is crazy. And if tomorrow I have to issue an apology because there was another part of the story that wasn't reported, then so be it. But as the story stands right now uh, and the picture that I'm looking at, whether his hair was hitting the floor or not. You, you don't tell people what to do with their hair, especially if they're citing religious reasons. That's just insane. Imagine the Sikhs, right? Sikhs also wear long hair, but they wrap it in a turban. Oh, so that's okay. It doesn't touch your collar. It doesn't get in your face. It doesn't matter. What if the Sikh says this month that we practice, and I'm you know, not insulting the Sikhs in any way, but let's just say they have a month where they're allowed to expose their hair. We're going to sit there and tell them, oh, you, you can't go to school? There's a compulsory law that says you have to educate children and putting them in in-school suspension gives them the education, but it deprives them of so much, especially the social interaction. Absolutely insane, in my opinion. Justin, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Let us continue. I want to go to a break because they're yelling in my ear to stop talking to go to the break. So I'm going to do that. I wanted to go to more calls, but we're going to come right back and wrap it up in a speed round. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
America at Night with Rich Valdez. Let's go to Linda, Albany, New York, WGDJ. Linda, quickly, go right ahead. Uh, yes, thanks for taking my call, Rich. Um, the woman, it was good to hear what's going on, even in the conservative colleges. Mm -hmm. Good he stood up for it and um, appreciate uh, that information uh, getting out there at this point. It's very sad that that is happening, even in our conservative colleges. Oh, I agree with you 100 percent. You know, it's funny. I, I worked for a small Christian college and uh, they weren't necessarily con conservative. They were very apolitical. It, it was really just kind of focused on on what they taught. But I, I have to tell you, um, it, it is it's it's disheartening to know that this type of one sided stuff goes on, e even if it was the other way. If you went to a school and you're like, you know, all they talk about is is pro-life, small government conservatism, and there's no room to talk about socialism or Marxism. I would have a problem with that, too, because I think in, in the free marketplace of ideas, the good ideas are going to win. And you talk about them all. That's how you teach everything. And then you let people decide what they want to decide. They do what they want to do. There's no need to slant things one way or the other, which is why I always tell people, if you disagree with me, we're going to put you to the front of the line and let's have the conversation. I'm happy to have the discussion because you have to have balance. You have to be able to have a discussion. That's how you make your point. That's how you win an argument. If there's no argument to be had because everything is one way, that's uh that, that's not a conversation. It's not a dialogue, and it's not American, in my opinion. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate it. Let's go to Diane, Chicago, WGN. Go right ahead. Uh, hi, Rich. Um, hi. I was wondering uh, quickly about the – I don't have a computer, so I'm not able to see what you – know, I'll look up maybe tomorrow or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sort of behind the times in that way, and that's what, where I'm at. So yes. with um, the, the hair – now, I think I think the opposite of you because, but I haven't seen the picture or anything. Can I ask you the picture that you see? And is this a young person, old, older person? Yes, 17 years old. And the hair in the picture that's shown, the hair is tied up almost like in a bun. It's braided and it's tied up in a bun. It's all away from the face. But my argument is even if it was let down and it was hitting his ankles, I could care less how long this kid's hair was. Uh, it, it, I've been in school for many years and I, my kids went to school my, my girls wear their hair loose all the time my girls hair were typically very long around to the bottom of their waist and it was never an issue but for this kid it's an issue it's absolute insanity Paul in Boise, Idaho Catherine in Rolla, Montana I'm sorry I'm going to owe you for tomorrow the music means they're kicking me out thank you America take care good night and God bless we're going to do it all again mañana until then keep it locked right here on this station hasta la próxima until the next time I am Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.